Hey everyone, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best place on the internet to keep up with the world of men's professional volleyball. My name is Dan, and we're back. Hope everyone had a nice holiday season, or at least as nice as they can be in these times. Unfortunately, probably not the best holidays for everyone, but hopefully at least you were able to rest and relax a bit, take a few days off. I know I did, so ready to go with a fresh outlook and, and renewed energy for the year of 2021 olympic year really hopefully this one so got got a quite a few volleyball competitions to look forward to anyway in today's podcast i'm going to go over some of the big storylines some of the big games over the break that we haven't gone over yet a couple items of news and kind of looking forward maybe to the schedule a bit here in 2021 because it's it, like i said before it's going to be a packed exciting schedule of volleyball obviously as long as covid doesn't interfere too too much but we'll, we'll assume it's not going to cancel everything anyway i hope you guys enjoy the podcast bit of news we have and actually there wasn't too much news over the holiday season so not too much to go over here but the Chinese league is suspending its play due to rising levels of COVID in China so we have a few strong foreign players well foreign to China who will not have teams right now so the main one being Matt Anderson who we talked about a couple podcasts ago being ready to leave making an Instagram post and right as he's about to leave they cancel the league or he might have actually gone over I'm not sure but uh, anyway, he's going to be probably the biggest free agent, and he's already been rumored to go to a couple of Italian teams. If Matt Anderson is willing to take a late-season discount, I'm sure linking up with Micah Christensen and Modena would be a pretty appealing option for him, and also a very appealing option for Modena as well. They could really play him at you know, the outside hitter or opposite positions, whichever one they want. He would be their best player, wing player either way. Also, Urosh Kovacevic being the other marquee wing player that's not going to play in China. couple rumors floating around. Maybe he's going to Poland, maybe a Strebshi Vigil, but it's tough to tell with Urosh Kovacevic. I mean, he's, he's played in Italy for a while, so it would be interesting to see him in Poland, but uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't really like trusting some of these questionable rumors until there's a little more um, smoke around the transfer. And speaking of transfers that actually did happen, Arpad Brody, the Hungarian opposite, big boy, who is the uh, starting opposite for Zach Sekadzirjan Kozil a couple years ago, was playing in Turkey this year, you know, scoring well, but on a pretty terrible team. So he'll be making his way to France to uh, pair up with the Argentinians, Mateus Sanchez, Augustin Luzer, and Luciano Polanski, and he will be replacing Sasa Starovic. So an upgraded opposite for Turquin, who have tumbled a bit since their very hot start, leading the league at the beginning. Now they are 8-5 and five with 13 games played, but I believe Arpad Baroti, I mean, he's got to be among the best opposites playing in France right now, even for a league that usually kind of punches above its weight when it comes to opposite. But Turquin, very fun team to watch. I haven't been covering the French league really at all on this podcast, but I have watched several games, definitely a few from Montpellier because they have... Canadians Danny Demyanenko and Ryan Sclater on it but also Turquois they're, they're really fun man Mateus Sanchez he is an absolute baller 
I made a YouTube video recently about the best short players in volleyball. So if you haven't seen that, go check out my YouTube channel, 5-1 Volleyball. And yeah, Mateus Sanchez just toying with the opposing blockers. Unbelievable middle setter, especially when he's connecting with Augustin Luzer. But anyway, I'm sure he's going to have a good connection with Arpad Baroti too. And while Montpellier definitely looks like the strongest team in France this year, I, I do believe it's fairly wide open. I wouldn't be surprised if any of the top seven or eight teams made a pretty strong showing in the playoffs. And smaller transfer, Dutch setter Jais van Solkema is leaving London, leaving IBP Polonia London. Unfortunately, they haven't really been able to practice or play or anything because the UK has particularly strict rules towards COVID and doesn't really make the exception for athletes that a lot of European countries seem to be making and in North American countries as well. But he'll be going to SVG Lundberg, where he's actually played the last few years. So familiar territory for him, but playing with a few Americans here, Jordan Ewert, Will Kraft, and Dalton Solbrig out of the University of Hawaii. So not the most exciting transfer, but I mean, Lundberg is worth a watch if you are an American fan because they have several, you know, not top tier college American players, but, you know, pretty solid guys who actually do get a bit of run there over in Germany. All right, now let's go into the league recaps. And of course, like I usually do, let's start with Italia today. So I'll go over the standings first, give you guys a quick overview of how things are shaping out so far. And then we'll go into a couple of the, the big matches that we missed. So Perugia on top right now, 14 and 3, 43 points. Lineup's looking real good this year. Serving is out of control. Still waiting on a fully healthy Alexander Atanasevic. So they're not even at their final form yet, Perugia is. But they're still playing pretty well. Obviously, Wilfredo Leon absolutely beasting. And actually looking all right with Dragon Trevica. I mean, definitely not as good as Luciano De Checo was. But they're playing a different style of volleyball a bit. It's a lot slower. It's a lot more deliberate. But the blocking is really good with Sebastian Soleil in this year. And obviously, guys are converting at a very high percentage. Still between Plotnitschke, whoever's playing opposite, and Wilfredo Leon. Guccini, Lubici, Vinova right there. 39 points, four less than Perugia, but they've also played one less match. Also looking very nice, Luciano De Cecco doing an excellent job of orchestrating that offense. And how about third place Trentino? Storming back, excellent few weeks here for Trentino. And one of the biggest games here was Trentino beating Perugia. Three to one, pretty big statement win by Trentino. I mean, I've been saying all season, Trentino's for real. They're just going through some growing pains. Just making sure everything fits together now. But now that Lucarelli's playing like he is, he's finally found his groove. I mean, they're, I think they're going to be just as good as we predicted in the beginning of the season and how they've been playing in Champions League. Yeah, Trentino's the real deal. It's going to be a three-man race here at the top between Perugia, Chief Genova, and Trentino. And don't look at the points, guys. Those don't matter. Those are the three contenders in the Italian Super League this year. As cute as a season as some of the other teams have had, like Valencia, no, those top three teams, that, that's it. Those are the teams that are going to be racing for the Scudetto this year. Not that the Valencia has been bad, by the way. 31 points, 11-5. and five. Great season for them. I mean, a fourth place. Like, I wonder what the odds would have been on Valencia being in fourth place before this season. They've been great so far. Monza coming up in fifth, 10-5, and five, 26 points. Just last night had a pretty convincing win, 3-1 over Ravenna. 
close game. Eric Lepke tried his best, but Monza looking good right now. They won't have Addis Legumzija next week playing in the Eurovolley qualifiers, but Donovan Zavaranak has looked a lot better the last few weeks on an upswing for sure in the league. And Felipe Lanza hasn't been amazing recently, but, you know, solid filler, which is, I think, what you can kind of expect from Felipe Lanza. And then the kind of the next team in this in the second tier, Piacenza, 8-8, eight and eight, 24 points. I feel like they're playing below expectations, probably for management, given the kind of roster that they put together between Aaron Russell. I mean, Jorge Grosier's had some tough injury trouble. But I think they're still doing all right. I think they could still take a game or two off one of those top teams. And, you know, you win one or two games, and it's anyone's game from there in the playoffs. Personally disappointing for me are these next two teams that we usually would have probably seen in fourth and fifth in, in most years. Milan and Modena, both around the same uh, area, both with 20 points. Modena with one more loss. So Milan slightly ahead here, uh, definitely ahead in the loss column. Milano dealing with some weird lineups now that Jan Patry is injured. They've had Luan Weber in a bit. They've had Luka Basic in TNA and out. And Stephen Martin, Yuki Ishikawa can't play well at the same time. <laughs> they basically switch playing well. So can understand a little bit why they are struggling. Moneda, I mean, they had a great showing in Champions League, but it doesn't matter if you don't play like that in the Italian League, but at least we know they're capable of a lot better offense than they're putting out right now. I think, you know, they're just playing like we had predicted. They're just a defensive team with Jenny Grabenikov and Michael Christensen, who are both the best players at the position, but if you don't have anything beyond that, it's not going to go well for you. Then Verona right behind them in points, but they're also 6-10, and 10, so a few more losses there. Just some tight games over there for Verona, but losing Stefan Boyer, bit of a blow for them. They've been struggling a little bit with Mad Jensen to replicate, obviously, the kind of offense that Stefan Boyer was providing. And while he looks, yeah, he definitely looked promising at the start now that teams are able to scout him a bit, take away his favorite shots becomes harder for a young player like that to compete in such a difficult league. And then probably two, two, two of the three teams here I would not have expected to, to be near the bottom. One is Ravenna, 3-13, and 13, 13 points. Recently, it's become a bit of the uh, Eric Lepke show, which I'm happy that Eric Lepke as a Canadian fan is playing really well. But unfortunately, not so good for Ravenna. I think they're more definitely more talented than a 3-13 and record would suggest. They have lost in, in five sets four times, so there has been a bit of a, uh, a clutch issue here. And they also, another interesting stat, they've also lost five uh, games 3-1. So it tells me that Ravion is competitive. They can definitely take sets off of good teams. I mean, we see it so often where Ravion will you know, win the first or second set and then just kind of keel over in the last couple. Um, but yeah, they haven't really found a good solution as their second outside. While well, I love Francesco Riccine, I mean, he, he he does struggle sometimes against the top level uh, defenses in the Superliga. And then also Zonka has not really been able to score any better despite being, you know, half a foot taller when he isn't either. So yeah, second outside is, is a difficult position for Ravenna. And opposite too, I mean, last game they had Tommaso Stefani, who, you know, he's a good player. He was one of the stars of Italy's recent good runs at the Euro European Underage Championships and the FIVB Underage Championships, playing there as a middle, but 
playing here is an opposite and you know i know i know you can play either position and we've seen him play both positions before but you know having an underage player who's not playing his natural position as your starter that's a tough look for ravena but i think they can still grab you know three more wins maybe before the end of the season i mean they've been so close so many times then padova also near the bottom of the standings 12 points which is actually you know better than we thought they would do at the beginning of the season and you know i've been kind of critical of kavika shoji in the past i thought you know he wasn't the best setter ever and there may have been better options on team usa and kavika was mostly there as a kind of leadership position but he's actually really impressed me this season's distribution is awesome serving is awesome and also Tonchek Stern and I'm, I know I've also been critical of Tonchek Stern because of his crazy inefficiencies when he's hitting the ball but he's a bit of a floor raiser so on a team like this you don't need someone who's going to really efficiently attack the ball because realistically you're not going to be able to you just don't have the kind of looks that you need to be able to to hit like 55 56 percent so Stern is a guy you can throw 40, 45 sets per match at, and he's going to hit all of them. They may not all go in, but he's going to try and bust the block in as many ways as possible. And of course, one of my favorite players, Santiago Danani, the Argentinian libero who's just been locking it down for Padova. And, you know, libero's probably the least impactful position on the court, but when you have somebody as good as he is, I think it does really help a team like this, especially who might otherwise not be the strongest reception team in the league. And then, unfortunately, we've already talked about them so many times this season, but the most disappointing team, Cisterna, who definitely had the talent to compete for the playoffs, in my opinion. That's what I thought before the season. But Kevin Tilly has been pretty non-existent. Oresto Cavuto, also a very big disappointment as an outside hitter. And let's just say that Arthur Schwartz playing opposite is a way more fun story at in three then one in 16 now let's move east and talk a little bit about our friends over in polska this season has been dominated still absolutely dominated by zaksa kedzers and kozlo which i don't know obviously they were a very good team even you could see that in the beginning of the season but I mean, 15-0, and 0, like, are they really that much better this season than they have been in the past? I mean, I know we have uh, Kuba Kohanowski in there alongside David Smith, so two very strong middle blockers, and there's no real weakness on the team. But going into the season, you definitely would not have predicted them to be so, like, head and shoulders above the rest of the competition in Poland. But one of the reasons we're seeing that is the absolutely insane play from their wings, Alexander Slivka and Kamil Semeniuk, both two of the best outside hitters in Poland this year, which is crazy because I don't think either of them will be starting on the Polish national team this summer. In fact, neither of them are probably in the top three in the rotation, and one of them might not be even on the team. Give between uh, Wilfredo Leon, Michal Kubiak, and Bartosz Bednorz is likely the top three outside hitters in Poland, but Zaksa doing everything right, playing really well together as a group, Benjamin Taniuti orchestrating everything beautifully efficiently. They have a very even attack on offense. A really good reception line right now. And just their, their attacking is out of this world. No one, no one can stop the onslaught of Zax's offense this year. Second place, Yastrebshi Vejil. Having a pretty good season at 13-2. Although they are 18, or 8, sorry, not 18. 8 points behind 
Zaxa, so a lot more close matches for Yastrebshi, but they've really only been losing to Zaxa this year. I was a little bit lower on them personally because of the loss of Graham Vigras and Christian Frome, but I think the new additions, Yasin Luwati and Mohamed Al-Hajdadi, especially Al-Hajdadi has been you know, a pillar of their offense throughout the season, one of the best scorers in the Plus Liga. Yasin Luwati not quite as effective on the offensive side of the ball in terms of attack, but still passing it pretty well, serving it pretty well, doing everything he needs to do for the team. Yuri Gladier is having like one of the best seasons of his career. You know, multiple double-digit point games playing really well. And of course, Thomas Fornell. I mean, all these Polish outside hitters are doing so well, but Thomas Fornell especially has taken another step this year and, and been a really huge part of the team, at least when he's been healthy. It's too bad they uh, got knocked out of the first tournament for Champions League because of COVID reasons, because I think they could have made a decent dent in that competition as well. They also had a pretty good statement win over Skrabeltatov on the 23rd of December, winning in five sets with their bench coming in, Yakubuki and Rafael Sizimura coming in to lead the way over PGA Skrabeltatov. Buki actually the leading scorer in that match with 16 points coming in in the third set. In third place, definitely one of the most surprising teams for me is uh, Trefl Gdansk, 13-5, and, and actually just beat Skrabeltatov. 3-1, to one, uh, kind of right before I recorded this section of the podcast. So Gdansk, I mean, yeah, I would not have expected... I mean, I don't think I even picked them for the playoffs. I would not have expected them to be anywhere close to this level in the league. I mean, if you look at their roster top to bottom, it's not exactly a super talented group of players, but two guys in particular are leading the way, I think, and are part of the reason for Gdansk is maybe bigger success than many people had anticipated. The first one, uh, Marcin Giannis, the setter, is having definitely the best season of his career. I think a lot of Blues League loyal fans would consider him one of the top three setters, at least this year, based on performance in the Blues League, which is pretty impressive considering the list of names of the setters in the Blues League. So he's having a great season distributing the ball, definitely getting the most out of his hitters. Bartlomiej Lipinski is also, I mean, we have to talk about the man who is leading the league in MVP rankings so far this season, having a really efficient attacking season and just looking like an absolute beast out there, super physical player and doing a very good job, has a great connection with Janice. I really hope they keep those two players together in the next season because there's definitely something something magic happened there that's making them better than the sum of their parts. And I mean, Pablo Querer also having a good season. Just everyone on Dance is playing well. Moritz Richard. I think is I think you know we we thought we knew he was probably better than the Bundesliga when he was playing over in Berlin, but he's also done a very good job adapting to the Bundesliga. Fifteen points in the most recent win against PG Skral Belchatov, and I, I'm going to be honest, I still don't think they're a serious contender for the finals. I mean, we saw a kind of similar Gdanski team a few years ago when Taylor Sander was leading the way there where they, you know, they were top of the season or top of the rankings in the uh, regular season, but then fell apart a little bit when it came time to do real business in the playoffs. And I do think that might happen in a similar fashion here this season for Gdansk. Zavierci in fourth place, 10 and six with 30 points. So a bit of a drop off. There's a clear top three between uh, Zaxa, Yastrebshi and, and Gdansk. But Zavierci, again, a bit of a surprising team. I do think they're going to drop a bit more, and I think they have been dropping, you know, a little slower than maybe I thought. I thought they would probably be 6th or 7th by now. But again, losing a lot of key pieces, including coach 
Mark Lebedew. But Matej Malinovsky has done a great job for Zavierci. Definitely the leading kind of wing spiker on that team. Taking a step up this year. I mean, you know, raises level of play, attacking efficiently. Uh, and pretty much as the main focus of most of the opposing defenses, he's still managing to do a pretty good job hitting 52% on the season, which is pretty impressive and definitely a doing a good job in that offense, hitting 3.47 points per set. For Sava in fifth place, standing at nine and seven. Haven't had the best season so far, but again, we, we kind of predicted that to happen with a lack of a good opposite. Arter Shalpuk is playing a little better after we've criticized him earlier on this season for his lackluster play, but things are improving. Bartosz Folek also playing pretty well this season. Angel Trinidad, the Spanish setter who is new this season in Versava. Also, we criticized him earlier on this season, but it seems to be the case for Versava where, you know, they're still they're still clearly not among the elite teams. I mean, they had losses to Strebji Vagil and losses to Zaksek Kajujan Kojal, but they are improving considering that they took sets off of both those teams. And I expect them probably to get into fourth place or even third place by the end of the season. Sixth place, we have Katowice standing also at nine and seven. Marius Zinichol, I'm, I'm sorry, I probably did not say that right. If anyone wants to tell me how to say his name, please uh, message me. But he's been leading the team in scoring and doing so extremely efficiently, like 64% hitting, which is, is really good considering he's kind of an older veteran player, lost a bit of athleticism, but yeah, scoring 3.81 points per set on 64% hitting, which is very, very nice. Unfortunately, I, I kind of see Katowice starting to fall down the standings. I mean, like together their team hasn't isn't really the most talented in the league, and they recently had two pretty bad losses to Skraw Belchatov and also to Yastrebshi. So, so yeah, I'm pretty sure they're going to fall out of the playoffs. I mean, they're only 9-7 and seven right now. Uh, Slovakia, I think, is probably a better team. Skraw, even though they just lost today to Gdansk, I think – they're gonna uh, get a, go on a winning streak at some point here, and then Rosovia nine and six, but they are a couple points behind Katowice. So really, Katowice, Slovakia, Veltrotov, Rosovia, all pretty much in the same ballpark, and those four teams are going to be competing for those last three playoff spots here. For Slovakia, a pretty good season for them. I mean, I think any t- any in any scenario where Slovakia makes the playoffs in their second season in the Plus Liga is definite win for them. Same as usual, though, Josh Tuniga doing his thing. Bartosz Bolaj is actually, you know, one of the leading scorers in the league, and he's having a fantastic season so far, including being really devastating from the service line. I do not remember his serve being this effective over when he was in Germany and Friedrichshafen. So great season for Bartosz Bolaj. And then whoever's playing out of the two of Thomas Rousseau, Kevin Klinkenberg has been doing a pretty good job as well. I think uh, Thomas Rousseau, in my opinion, is definitely the stronger option at the second outside hitter position there, but we've seen Coach Koval go with either one, just play the matchup so far. And in, in a very surprising eighth place, still haven't really made their way up to the stop of the standings, is PG Scrap Belchatov. Big news is Taylor Sander came back during their Champions League tournament and has been playing several games since. You know, definitely looks pretty good, I would say. Looks pretty good. Not quite the absolutely devastating Taylor Sander that we all know and love, but averaging 3.5 points per set on 50% hitting so far. So not amazing. Passing pretty well, though, 25%. And six aces so far in six matches, so not too bad. But he will definitely need to improve a little bit if Skrubb Altatov is going to want to continue 
to climb up the standings, which you know, we're I think more than halfway down the season here, so they better hurry up if they don't want to play Zaxa in the first round. So I'm sure a lot of teams trying to avoid that eighth place spot in the playoff rankings. But as I said earlier, three-way tie in points between Slovakia, Katowice, and Belchatov, and I definitely expect Belchatov to be the top of those three teams. In ninth place is a very interesting team, Rysovia, who once again probably playing below the level of their talent, I think. I think they projected to be a, a solid playoff team this season. Clement Chebulish is having an excellent season so far, um, passing a lot better than I think I've ever seen Clement Chebulish pass. I mean, he doesn't really need to take up a lot of the court. Carol Butrin is doing a really good job as the opposite, leading the team in scoring. I think the opposites question has definitely been answered over there in Rysovia. And then, I mean, the second outside hitter is, is definitely a question mark still between Shezhishin, Parody, and Rafael Bushek. Still not a really clear answer last game against Bedzin. Shezhishin played the first two sets, didn't really play that well. And then Bushek came in, you know, in, in, into the second set and then played the third and fourth set. Again, the only thing I, I disagree with with Rosovia's coaching is that they're not, you know, using Jeffrey Jendrick more, who, uh, you know, isn't having the greatest season, but like, for example, last match, he hit seven for nine and then got subbed out in the fourth set. And okay, maybe he's not the best server. Maybe he's not the absolute best blocker, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think he, he is such a threat and such a pull in the middle in offense that, you know, he should be starting full time and, and given a bit of a bigger leash. And, you know, let's work on his blocking. Let's improve that because he'll need that for Team USA as well. And for me, the rest of the league gets much less interesting after this between Radom, Olsen, Lubin. Stelnias and Bedzin, so Radom 19 points, Ulshin 18 points at 6 and 10, Lubin 4 and 14, 14 points, Stelniasa, bit of a disappointing season for them considering uh, the level of talent on their roster, but they are 2 and 14 and, and actually a little bit of a news story. Uh, Bartman, the outside hitter, left Stelniasa to go play in Dubai and not that he was playing really well at all in, in Stelniasa anyway, but he, he was formerly a big name in Polish volleyball, but clearly hasn't really returned to his uh, levels in quite a while. So, so, you know, I find nothing wrong with that. Go make your money in Dubai. It's towards the end of his career. Probably not going to get a big payday anyway. So, and then last place, MKS Bedjin in last place. Not surprising at all there at 2-17. and 17. Clearly to me, they, they, you know, are the least talented roster on paper. For Radom, not really that surprising that they've been so far out of the playoffs Brendan Sanders, been a fun story for them, getting uh, the starting role throughout the season. Viktor Yosefov, still a blocking machine despite his older age. It'll be interesting if we see him in the European qualifications next week. But the, yeah, my issue is a little bit of David Konarski. Definitely not a bad player, but I don't know. He's more of a supporting opposite in my opinion. He's not the kind of opposite who I want to be giving 40 to 50 sets a game. He's going to be really inefficient with those sets, but the issue is... A lot of the rest of the team is not that offensively blessed. I mean, Lucas Lowe, Brendan Sander, two guys, yeah, who I wouldn't really consider consider offensive weapons. And then Yosefov, great blocker, pretty good server, not the uh, not the best attacker maybe at his older age. Olshin, another team that you know I, I wasn't a huge fan of the roster before the season. My main issue is that. Robert Andringa and Ruben Schott really did not make any sense next to each other as the two outside hitters, especially when you're taking a huge risk on Damien Schulz as your opposite, who has not played, you know, had, had a pretty bad season last year in 
Rysovian, also Stepion, not going to say this name right, Premislav, who, you know, has been the backup, who's been a backup setter in the Plus Liga for a number of years behind Benjamin Taniuti on Saxe Kadir Kozil. And yeah, it, it makes sense because they are one of the least efficient attacking teams in the league at 48.73%, only ahead of Lubin, Ridom, and of course, Bedzin. And right before I recorded this podcast, they lost a pretty quick 3-0 here to Versava. And guess what their hitting uh, attack percentage was for the game? 46%. So yeah, that's tough. The only really guy who had it going was Damien Schulz. The rest, you know, Robert Andringa, 3 for 10. Ruben Schott was benched after the first set with 2 for 5. And even the middles weren't playing that well with Dmitry Teremenko, 3 for 9. And Wojciech Solinski has been a, you know, very solid player for them. But he's really not the kind of guy who I think can carry an offense. And I don't know if he was really predicted to play this big of a role in the offense at the beginning of the season. Then Lubin, who I think their only real nice story is Ronald Jimenez, who hasn't really had a chance to play in a legit league like Poland and has done quite well this year. I think leading the league in spikes, if not not total points, but just for spikes. And I think, you know, he's, he's made most of his career in France. And I think there's several opposites who are mostly French guys who I think should be given a bigger look by some of the bigger leagues because, I don't know, I, f- I feel like people don't give the French league maybe the respect it deserves. I think, you know, the best teams aren't as good as the best teams in Germany, but I think the middle-of-the-pack teams in France are, are, are pretty competitive still. So I think there's a few guys who definitely fall through fall between the cracks in, in Ronald Jimenez, what is one, and he's, man, he's fun to watch. He's six foot seven, huge vertical, very powerful attacks, not the smartest attacker, but yeah, he, he, he can make single blocks pay for sure. For Stalniasa, I think their talent is better than their record indicates near the bottom of the league, second last place, only to Bedzin, but Marcin Komenda has not really been able to replicate the magic of the 2019 season, and they have gotten nothing out of their outside hitters so far this season. However, on the brighter side, Wasim Bentara, the opposite, is looking pretty good. Been starting pretty much every game the last few weeks and is hitting quite efficiently, especially considering how little the other outside hitters are contributing to the offense. And also, Mustafa Embai has, has been pretty good recently. Not really a player that was on my radar before this year. I mean, probably because he was mainly a player in the second division of Poland, but he actually has been looking kind of nice the last few games. And man, he has a really hard arm, tough player to dig. For Bedzin, you can't really say too much. I mean, clearly the budget is so much lower than every other team in the Plus Liga. However, you know, kind of biased as a North American fan, they could probably get some pretty decent players coming out of college or university in North America in the first or second year who would actually be able to contribute on this team better than some of the guys have for a pretty cheap price. So I think, you know, you see a lot of teams in Germany and France do that. And I think there's an opportunity and there's probably a few players from North America who could probably underpay just to get them in the Plus League and to get noticed by other teams in the Plus League and to just have that experience of playing teams at a high level. Guys like Micah Ma'a and Kyle Ensing, who aren't even making that much money anyway, probably would have taken the opportunity to play in a more competitive league this year. So the last league I'm going to go over today is Russia. And the kind of the interesting news in Russia recently is the, not demise of Zenit Kazan, but the fact that they're actually <laughs> been losing a few games. I mean, Bartosz Bednors has been injured for a little while here. Uh, only playing sporadically, but they've lost three out of the last four games, which for a club like Zenekazan is like almost unheard of. I mean, even at their worst, la- like 
in their disaster season when they were losing Champions League matches. And they were still winning pretty much every game in the Russian League. So for them to, you know, be losing several matches and and today they lost to Kuzbaz Kemerovo, 3 nothing. So kind of crazy. Usually Zenit Kazan is a team that will at least remain competitive. All right, so let's maybe dissect a bit why we think this is. First of all, definitely the Bartosz Bednar's injury has been a killer for them. One person who I definitely don't think is contributing to it is Maxi Mikhailov. I think he's having a great season leading scorer in the entire Russian league, doing so on above 50% hitting. So in using his usual Maxi Mikhailov self, like always doing the small stuff, being ready for every set, serving well, blocking well. I don't think he's the issue. I, I do want to say Irvin Engapet, since he's come back from that random leave of absence from Zenit Kazan, has not been his usual self. I mean, he's only hitting 45% on the air. I think only about 3.2 points per set for which for a guy who you expect to be, you know, one of the leading offensive players on your team. And granted, he's he's definitely taking a back seat compared to Mikhailov and Bednorz. But still, in Bednorz's absence, you would have expected, hopefully, Irvin Ankapet still has it in him to, you know, take over that second scoring role. And it hasn't really looked like he has been able to so far. Alexander Buko, I think, too, deserves a little bit of the blame. Just in the few games I've watched recently of Zenit Kazan, he's making really simple sets. And I know Buko and most of the Russian setters aren't necessarily the most creative guys ever. But, you know, when I'm watching a game and I can predict, you know, the setter, where the set's going to go with probably 80, 85% uh, accuracy rate, imagine how, it e how much easier it is for like trained volleyball professionals to guess where Alex Alexander Buko's going. And you can see that with maybe not triple blocks, but a ton of double blocks and, you know, some a lot of double blocks when they have, uh, they're running their in-system offense. So that's not a good sign for Butko either. And part of that is reception always, of course, but still fine for Zenit Kazan. I mean, still first place, 13 and four with three of those losses coming in the last little bit. Kuzbaz Kemerova though, especially after the win today, right on their trail, 12 and three, 34 points. And they're kind of an interesting construction of a team this year. It's actually kind of funny to watch them. I mean, really offensively, they are just completely carried by Ivan Zaitsev, and he's still got it. Still hasn't really lost that much athleticism, especially being allowed to play the opposite position instead of outside hitter. And it almost seems like the secondary offensive player is not one of the outside hitters, but <laughs> Peter Kuzmanovic has gotten a lot of run from Igor Kobzar on offense, which is interesting to see. I find that's a little bit more the case in Russia where the middles are more relied upon to score the ball. But, I mean, the real reason that Kemerovo's up here is because is of their block defense, especially on the blocking side of the ball. They have two of the best middle blocker, blocking middle blockers in the league. Ivan Zaitsev's a great blocker. And you can, set, you can tell everyone's just really tight. The outside hitters trust the middles to be there, so they're, you know, they're being really disciplined on their block. For some reason, we didn't see that at all in their Champions League run, so if that's the only Kemerovo you've seen this year, it's probably a bit confused by this, but in general, Kemerovo's blocking has been excellent. In third place, we have Zenit St. Petersburg, who we've definitely whined a lot about this season, saying, oh my God, we, like what's happening to them? They're supposed to be one of the best teams in the league. How can they have lost any matches? And, you know, it's, it ended up being okay. I mean, 11-4, and four, pretty good record here for Zenit St. Petersburg. Igor Kliuka has been having a pretty rough season, though. I mean, a guy who's athletic, 6'11", outside hitter, and you're only hitting 43% on the season. Fourth or 13 with three errors in his last game. That's that's a tough pill to swallow. Not sure what's going on with him. He looks maybe a little banged up. In my opinion, he should probably rest a bit if there's injury concerns before Russia participates in the Olympics this summer as, the, as their independent team. But luckily, Viktor Politaev has been great. 
in his absence, one of the best servers in Russia, only behind a couple of guys, Todor Skrimov and Bartosz Bednorz, I believe, in terms of aces per set, hitting 48%, not that efficient. But, I mean, they've had to kind of rely on Viktor Polotayev for the, all the, a lot of the offense. I mean, you would think with Oriol Kameo and also Igor Kaluka as your outside hitters, you should have a pretty good distribution on your offense. But, no, those two guys are having a down year, so it's been up to Viktor Polotayev to take a large majority of the out-of-system sets. But Zenit St. Petersburg, I still think, will be a dangerous team in the playoffs. I mean, it would never count a team with Antoine Brizard, Viktor Polotayev, Ivan Yakovlev, who's been also incredible, by the way, this year, Oriol Kameo and Igor Kaluka to not be a threat in the playoffs. In fourth place, Dynamo Moscow, 11-1, so actually played a few less games than some of the top teams, still only lost that one game, so... I mean, in the loss column, Moscow's in first. You know, that's one way to look at it. And in an earlier podcast, I kind of went into why Dynamo Moscow's playing so well. And I mean, it's definitely their hitters have done a really good job. Sam Darusa and Sokolov, the rest of them. But really, Pavel Pankov, the setter, has done an amazing job. I mean, like most of their hitters are hitting high 50s, low 60%, which is, you know, if you look at the stats of the league, it's just incredible how much higher the hitters of Dynamo Moscow are hitting than everyone else. And blockers are just unsure of where to go when they're playing against Pavel Pankov. And it's paying off a lot in terms of if you give Sam Daru <laughs> a single block, he's probably going to score. So Dynamo Moscow, I mean, you know, they could be the number one team in the Russian Super League right now with how they're playing. Too bad they're not in Champions League, but very interesting team to watch in the Super League. Fekil Novi Urngoy is in fifth place, probably picking up a few new fans over the last few months with Eric Shoji's in-depth look at the team and just becoming more of a YouTube celebrity in general. If you haven't seen his YouTube channel, recommend to check it out, especially if you're a libero. Dmitry Volkov taking over the team as the number one player, the undisputed captain after the departure of Igor Kliuka, but also Dennis Bogdan, who actually featured in quite a few games for them last year is doing very well as another starting outside hitter too. I feel like he's a name that we don't hear that much, but is probably towards the top of the league in Russia in terms of, you know, the level of outside hitter. Definitely too good to be stuck on the bench, so I'm glad he's getting a more featured role. Sixth place, Lokomotiv Novosibirsk at 8-5. and five. Again, haven't played quite as many games as some of the other teams in the league, so I think they're going to go up from here. Probably that top five is locked in at this point, though. Zenikazan, Kemerovo. San St. Petersburg, Dynamo Moscow, Fekel Novo Urngoy, but I think Lokomotiv Novosibirsk is a deserving fifth place or sixth place, still being led by the Serbian pair Drazen Luberic, Marko Ivovic, but also Russian outside hitter Sergei Savin is actually having a really good season with the team, Just a little surprising given how old he is, and you know he's a player who I mostly know for his hilariously over-the-top celebrations, but he's actually leading the team in scoring, and doing so on reasonable efficiency at 47%. So, fun season from Sergei Savin and, you know, Navasbrisk. Pretty good team to have in sixth place in your league. In seventh place, we have Earl Ufa, who are 8 and 10. So, you know, just behind Navasbrisk in terms of points, but also having played five more games than them with, unfortunately, five more losses. Gord Perrin not having the best season ever. I mean, he still does a lot on defense and he's still a good server, but. The offense still isn't quite there, not really dealing with the style of play in the Russian league all that well. Machi Muzai doing a pretty good job taking over the scoring load for Ufa. And I mean, 
haven't been impressed with the setting that much from Roman portion. And overall, their team is just, you know, play solid defense, serve hard, and, and just give the ball to Machi Musa. Unessi Krasnyarsk at 7-8 and eight is actually probably a pretty good season for them. I mean, not usually a playoff fixture in the Russian Super League here, so pretty good on them for getting to this point. Actually, a pretty fun team to watch with Todor Skrimov, the Bulgarian outside hitter, Ian Irishenko, and also, of course, Kirill Kletz, who I've been over on the podcast before. Spent a couple years over in Germany to hone his skills and now is back in Russia starting on a Russian Super League team and is just a massive, massive hitter. One of those guys who manages to be close to seven feet tall without being completely uncoordinated. So he's really fun to watch. Then we have Niz Nevartovsk. Hopefully I said that right. Anyway, their opposite Vitaly Papasvov is averaging 5.32 points per set, which is number one in the Russian Super League on 51% efficiency. So pretty good numbers from him. Then we have the unfortunately fairly disappointing Belgorod. Definitely a rebuilding year for them at 5 and 10. They're going to Pavel Tatyukin a lot, giving him a lot of run, probably more than he would have otherwise if they weren't kind of in a rebuilding year. But Pavel Tatyukin, man, he's looking good. Definitely going to be a future star of Russian volleyball. Then we have Nizhny Novgorod and one of my favorite players to watch in Russia this year, Dmitry Vietsky, the Ukrainian, the young Ukrainian opposite, born in 1998. Got to see him lots during Eurovolley 2019, and he is a athletic marvel to watch. Huge vertical, kind of like the opposite version of Oleg Plotnyetsky. And, you know, not quite as good as, as Plotnyetsky, not quite as bouncy, but still really fun to watch. And he's one of the leading scorers in the Russian Super League. Then rounding out the rest of the league, we have Orenburg, Dynamo, LO, and Surgut. And unfortunately, like I've, I've said before, I love the Russian League, but it does tend to get really difficult to follow the teams at the bottom of the standings just because they're 100% Russian. None of them have ever played on the national team. So I'm not saying the players on these teams are bad because they're not, and they're still very big and very athletic, especially compared to maybe like some of the bottom Italian players in the Italian League. But they do tend to run together, and I think anyone who follows the Russian League can probably uh, attest to that as well. Anyway, I hope those recaps kind of gave you a brief idea of the situation in each of the leagues so far, a little past the halfway point. Playoffs actually starting really soon. I think, you know, month and month and a half for most leagues, so we've got that to look forward to, but let's just talk a little bit about the uh, schedule for 2021 because it's going to be an exciting one. Starting with the European qualifier or Eurovolley 2021 qualifiers happening next week, Bulgaria and Turkey looking to advance on the men's side for sure. Those definitely seem like the strongest teams, and the rest of the Europe Eurovolley 2021 qualifiers happening probably in May. Then we have the rest of the regular season in all the leagues, including the Italian Cup starting on the 27th of January so that's always a really fun kind of mark in the season we have Champions League second tournaments happening at the end of January as well and then the drawing of lots for the quarterfinals on February 12th followed by what I hope to be a uncancelled and very fun Champions League playoffs and that's capped off by the Super Finals in May 1st so around all this we also have the playoffs happening in all of the leagues Poland Russia Italy France and Germany. Then again, we have the European Eurovolley 2021 qualifiers right after that, followed shortly by VNL 21, which I'm 
quite looking forward to considering we haven't seen a lot of these national teams in a while and I'm, I'm quite interested to see how each of the national federations approaches this VNL 21 considering you know a lot of teams haven't played together that much I think not every team practiced really that much together last summer and also we have the Olympics approaching in um, August 2021 so you know I feel like a lot of teams will send their best um, squads out for the VNL 2021 just you know have time to practice and play together we also have European Golden and Silver League going on while VNL is going on then we have a bit of a break for some beach volleyball and then we have the Olympics happening July 23rd to August 8th so really hoping that goes ahead at least mostly according to plan even without fans it would still be a really fun event to have all the athletes at and then after that, we go right into Eurovolley 2021, which again is going to be very exciting, hosted by Czech Republic, Estonia, Finland, and then finishing in Poland, which is going to be really fun in Krakow. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully teams are still sending their best lineups, even after a bit of post-Olympic fatigue. And then we're starting again. Hopefully the 2021-2022 regular season is totally normal. We're going to have fans. We're going to have everything. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm looking forward to. But either way, it should still be an exciting year of volleyball. So I hope you guys enjoyed the first podcast of 2021. Remember to check out and subscribe to my YouTube channel, 5-1 Volleyball. I'm going to be posting more videos and commentaries there. And I hope you have a good week.